Hello again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, a podcast about everything lesbian and lady-loving queer. Uh, today we have somewhat of a return guest because we recorded this before and unfortunately it did not take. And also please welcome my cat Callie who will not stop screaming and we've just decided just to let it be. Um, but our main guest today uh, is a teacher and lesbian author and I'm so excited that she has graced us with her presence yet again. Uh, so please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Charlotte Green. Fantastic. Uh, tell us about yourself, Charlotte. Like, what what do you do? What is it? What is your burning passion in life? Um, so I'm a literature professor primarily. That's my day job. Um, so I spend a lot of time teaching, and um, I teach American literature mostly, but I also teach British and Irish literature. Um, my time period is early 20th century, but I um, just because I tend to teach at um, smaller universities. I kind of wear all hats, so I, I teach a lot of different kinds of classes. Um, I also teach women's studies and creative writing. Wow, that sounds like a lot. I can't, I just can't wrap my mind around teachers who can teach multiple subjects. Like, I don't know why I can't, like we all learn multiple subjects. It would be seem weird not to be able to teach them to, I don't know, teaching is an art and it's just not an art I was graced with. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, and I'm also a, a fiction writer, so I write um, lesbic novels for Bold Strokes books, and uh, my fifth novel just came out in September. Your fifth one? Yeah. Holy cow, that's, that's, a, that's amazing. That's really, really amazing, because I tried to do, like, the NaNoWriMo thing, where you, like, have to write an entire book in a month, and it was not for me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's really and hard. I've never gotten through the whole, the whole, what is it supposed to be, 50,000 or something? I, yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be too much for one month. I, don't, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just think it's amazing that people can get this job and, and really put it through because it's really only you that's really pushing on for you to finish this. And it's, it's really freaking hard. Like I've, I've yeah. heard people say things like, oh, you know, I would, I would have thought about writing a book, but, you know, I just don't have the time. And I'm like, well, great. Thank you for your input. <laughs> um, and I know you probably hate hearing that. That seems, apparently that's a common thing that people hear when they say, oh, I also write books. Yeah, um, because, I mean, I watch TV, I play video games, I tabletop game, I, um, I'm pretty active, and um, my job can easily be 60 hours a week and you know I could go on so there's always time you just have to you have to make it I might would have to get with you after the show because how how do you schedule all of that <laughs> very carefully I guess <laughs> so let's let's know a little bit about your background so you teach have you always wanted to teach um you know actually I think I originally wanted to be a doctor but um I kind of segued, you know, I also wanted to be a writer. So it's kind of both. I was like, I'll be a doctor that writes. Um, and then uh, once I was in university, I was pre-med for a while, but um, I ended up just realizing that my real love was my English classes and um, my real passion was writing. And so, um, you know, with some encouragement from some of my professors, uh, I decided to apply for first a master's. And then when I was in my master's, I, again, with some encouragement, um, applied for my PhD. So um, I think that kind of happens to a lot of would-be writers. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if, um, 
yeah, just get kind of steered towards the academia. That does seem like a common thing. I have talked to a couple of writers that, you know, it is their life. They love it. They love it so much that they teach it to other people. And how is it being a teacher in that position? Um, I think it's, I mean, I love everything about my job. Um, I mean, sometimes the bureaucracy that is academia is, but is terrible, but that could, that's the truth of any job, really. Um, and, uh, um, you know, cuts in education funding, that sort of thing. But the actual job is fantastic. My students are fantastic. I love what I do every day. Um, I really wouldn't choose anything else. Except for writing full time, maybe, right? Um, you know, I don't know. I think I think even if I could live off my writing full time, I, I think I would still want to teach. Wow. That's nice to hear. There's really not enough people out there that there's not enough love for teachers. I really believe that. And what you guys do is really amazing. Thank you. Um, well, let's go into the fun stuff, which may or may not be the gay stuff. Doesn't have to completely <laughs> just be the gay stuff, but I consider it the fun stuff. So, okay. so you like to write less of it. What kind of books do you like to write? So my first two novels were kind of um, they were romances, but they were heavy on the erotica side of romance. Um, they are kind of vaguely based on like Cinderella slash um, Fifty Shades of Grey slash um, whatever with with you know one super rich person and one working class person getting together lesbians obviously um, getting together and um, so yeah kind of rich girl poor girl story but also erotica so those were my first two books um, and then after that I wrote uh, well actually between I should say I wrote um, a, a novel um, loosely based on my experiences and some other people's experiences with Hurricane Katrina um, and that's also a romance a lesbian romance and then I wrote a um, a lesbian adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Um, it's a really loose adaptation. You really, you know, wouldn't know that it was uh, based on it unless um, you're like a super Jane Austen fan. And then um, my most recent novel is a ghost story. I mean, who doesn't love Victorian era and then happen to sprinkle it with some lesbians? That's like, that is like my ideal way to get my attention <laughs> <laughs> it actually is contemporary the, the jane austen one that's set in, in current days so it's just, oh. it's just yeah. but still no. but still no, just the feel just the feel of it though yeah yeah absolutely love it like there there are few things in life that just immediately catch my attention um unfortunately lesbians is one of them so i'm pretty i'm pretty obvious there but like <laughs> there's certain time periods and certain themes and certain things that I just immediately catch my attention. Yeah, yeah. I love Victorian lit and 18th century lit too. It's freaking fantastic. I also love how they like they mingle like the supernatural into it and it just it works with the clash of this industrial era that's happening at the time too. It's fun. So you've you've always wanted to be a writer, correct? That's did, correct. So would you say that this has always been a lifelong ambition for you? Yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, I, I you know would write short stories. I had a couple of short stories when the, um, you know, I think it was my middle school uh, <laughs> uh, fiction contest, and got so I got published at least in a very small scale for my school's um, annual 
uh, creative writing contest. Um, uh, and around that time, and maybe a little bit before, I also ran a, um, a childhood newspaper. Uh, it was like it was about my family, but um, it really wasn't about my family. It was kind of an exaggerated version of my family. Like uh, uh, I had to make up the news because, of course, nothing happens <laughs> when you're a child. And uh, so I would make up, you know, kind of fantastical things that would happen to my brothers and or my brother and my sister and my parents and um, my friends and uh, yeah, and I just printed that. I think it was once a week at the peak, but after a while, it kind of tapered off to once a month. That's still that's still like something to put on your resume, even if you were a child. Like that sounds like really amazing. Like, what kind of stories would you publish or write about in your newspaper? So I think if the first couple issues were real, you know, it was like my sister Laura did whatever, um, and then. Um, you know, I just ran out of news as a child uh, in suburbia America. And so I started making things up like um, uh, last week there were werewolves in the basement and I had to go out and kill things to feed them so they wouldn't eat us, that kind of thing. Oh, my God. That is a super cute story. And it was a long-term, I feel like there was a long-term story. It was like an ongoing thing where I was, you know, tried to pretend I was convinced that my dad had been replaced with a pod person. Oh, my God. <laughs> An investigative series to see if it was really him or if it was the pod person. That's actually really adorable. Were they concerned? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think they encouraged it. They liked it. That's nice to hear. I think if I think if I wrote that kind of thing when I was a child, they would not let me watch TV at night anymore. <laughs> I was the youngest, so I think they were kind of... <laughs> oh, lucky. <laughs> lucky, lucky. I was the first. There's something, there's something strangely different about being the oldest and being the youngest. Like, I guess they say that the first child, they try too hard, and the other ones, they just don't... They just, like, let them go and do what they want. Yeah. <laughs> I have an older brother, he's the oldest, and an older sister, so it was like, yeah, exactly, the, my brother got the most rules, my sister got a different set of rules because she's a girl, and then by me, they were just like, yeah. <laughs> You'll be fine, go on. You're pure fuse later, whatever. That's hilarious. So let's let's talk about a little bit more into your your path into going into lesbic. What was it about Lesbic that drew you? Um, I guess when I was first coming out, I, did, I don't know that I knew it existed. Um, and when I did find it, which was, I think, well into my 20s even. Um, I mean, I had read classic Lesbic in my undergraduate degree, like Virginia Woolf or Radcliffe Hall or somebody like that. But um, I didn't realize that there were very many contemporary writers um, writing lesbian romance and you know truthfully there wasn't a lot of it at that time in the 90s but um the more I looked the more I found and then um yeah I just got I, you know started reading it a lot um realizing that I had you know seeing myself and people like me represented even in fiction was something that I hadn't seen before so that's that's really what the draw was it was nice to see stories similar to my life or the lives of my friends, lesbian friends. Um, uh, so eventually I wanted to write it myself too. 
And have you found the genre that you'd like to write within Lesbic? Um, now that I've written this ghost story, I think um, the one that came out in September, Gnarled Hollow, um, I think that's going to be my new deal. I really, really loved writing that. And um, it's gotten some good reviews and good feedback from some of my fans. So um, I feel like that you know, mystery with some paranormal or supernatural, I, I think that's where I'm heading forward. Well, can you can you tell us more about the book? What can you tell us more about what it is that you liked and maybe some bits about your process? Um, so with Gnarled Hollow, um, I knew I wanted to write a ghost story and um, almost all my novels have something to do with academics. <laughs> so that's not a surprise. Uh, uh, write what you know kind of thing, right? But um, so uh, I was trying to think of a way that uh, I could have an academic doing research um, in a haunted house. And uh, it just kind of went from there. And I wanted to have at least a little bit of romance. So um, people have been saying, have described Gnarled Hollow as um, a ghost story with a little bit of romance, not a romance with a ghost story. Um, so that, uh, yeah, the emphasis is on the on the mystery and then the ghost story, but then um, there's a lesbian romance at the heart of it too. I mean, who doesn't love a little romance in their stories? Right. I think I had to have like a fight with someone the other day because they were, they were um, dizzing romance stories because they just didn't, they didn't like the genre. They didn't like anything about it. And it's, it's strange how people, like, why, why do people not like romance novels? Like, why do people not like that? Like, it's, it's strange. And of course, the person I was fighting with was male. And they were like, oh, well, it's a chick thing. Like, it's a chick, like, it's a whatever, whatever. And I'm like, does that make it any less good? Yeah. I also find that argument strange because I think even most men you know, like being in relationships and like, um, you know, in their personal lives actually like romance, you know, a lot of my guy friends are super romantic with their girlfriends or boyfriends. So, um, yeah, that, I think it's just a, a bad stereotype. And um, because, yeah, it's considered feminine, you know, like fashion or um, all sorts of things that have been maybe miscategorized as things for women, um, you know, it just doesn't get as much respect as it should, even though it's the number one genre. It's read by more people than anything. So um, in terms of popularity, it's the most popular for sure. I would definitely think so. And when you look at just about any story, there's hardly a story out there you can find that doesn't have just a little bit of romance in it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I couldn't even... Yeah, it would be hard to even think, even even most action movies and stories have a little bit, right? So. Yeah, like I, I literally am trying to think of any action movie I've ever seen that just doesn't have any romance in it at all. And I'm sure someone's going to come out there and, and be like, hey, what about this one? When mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to think about it, like even the most red-blooded American film, like, like Independence Day or... Mm -hmm. God forbid anything else with an equal amount of explosions has a little romance theme. They have a little, the guy gets the girl, which I'm so sick of seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's there. It's there in every one of them. And I just find it really strange how people diss the romance genre, even though it's like that element really makes the story. Because if you take out the love story inside of an action film or a thriller or anything, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. Or, yeah. So... When we were talking earlier, you said that you traveled a lot. Yeah, I travel a lot. Um, it's pretty much 
my wife and I designate a significant portion of our income to travel. Um, I also get to travel for my work a little bit. So every summer, um, at least recently, we've been taking students to England for um, a month. And then since we're over there, we usually stay in Europe um, after they go home. And um, so we've been managing to get to go to Europe most summers for a while um, because of work. And then my wife also has family in Poland. Um, so we go to Poland. Uh, I usually go every other year. She usually tries to go once a year. Um, and uh, yeah, beyond traveling in Europe, we, we love traveling in the States too. Um, my parents live in Colorado. Her parents live in Washington, D.C. Uh, we both used to live in New York, so we have friends there. Um, and uh, have my brother lives in Phoenix. So um, yeah, just even just between visiting our families, uh, we get all over the country at least a couple times a year. That sounds like so much fun. I say that as someone who's here with horses and I can't really go anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, they yeah. can't really feed themselves. Yeah, animals make it harder for sure. Even just with our, we only have one cat. It's um, it can be a real challenge when we're gone for weeks at a time to find someone to watch her. Oh, tell me about your cat. <laughs> Since she's very fat. Um, she's <laughs> today, today actually is the adoption anniversary. Um, <gasps> adoption anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> So it's within my memories of um, eight years ago was when we got her and uh, her name is Calliope and she's a big, really big fat calico. Um, oh, yeah. That's so cute though. Like mine that is screaming in the background, she stopped, thank God, is also a calico and she's just so vocal. Is yours very vocal? Is that a calico trait or is that she just... We really, we really lucked out because I've had calicos before and they were quite loud. Um, well, she wasn't actually my last calico wasn't loud. She was just kind of wanted to be loud, but she had a kind of scratchy like. Eh, um, voice. <laughs> uh, our, our current calico um, is almost silent, like completely silent. She'll make a little trill once in a blue moon um, if she's really desperate. But um, she makes yeah she's almost dead silent she's like so 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 much so that if if you close a door you, you always want to make sure that she's not in there because she'll get locked in there and she'll never hear her oh. <laughs> it's also a little dumb but... <laughs> oh, no. i have lots of cats that are like that that are just they're just a little dumb and that's why they have to stay inside because yep. rolling, rolling over is not a defense mechanism no, no. <laughs> But yeah, cats are cats are wonderful. I don't. Ugh, I have too many. <laughs> so you've had this cat for eight years. Is this a cat that you and your wife adopted, like when you got yeah. together? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were dating at the time. We I don't wait. Let me think. Eight years ago. Yeah, we were still dating. We were engaged. Um, so um, yeah, and actually at the at the shelter, the woman was like, "Is this your first pet together?" It was very cute. Oh, that seems about right. Like, I don't know what, it, I guess that's just, I think that's just a queer lady thing is that when you're, when you're getting ready to settle down, you just adopt They're cats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really cute though. Mm -hmm. So how long have you and your wife been together? Um, this year is, I got this wrong the other day. So let me, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she's 
she looked at me like, don't you know me at all? Um, 2007 is when we got together. So it's 11 years. Wow. I say, I say, wow, because it's only been legal here for like four or five years now. I think it's been four. Uh, there was the, you know, Delma was sort of two steps. There was the first step. It was legal in some states. Um, and then, uh, after that, it was legal everywhere, but there was kind of some steps down. Um, so when we got married in 2011, it was legal in New York and in DC, which is um, where we were living and where her parents lived. So um, we got married there. It just wasn't recognized everywhere until um, the second part of Delma was overturned two years later, two years later. It must have been a bummer traveling around. Like, I guess you guys don't really feel it. I mean, it's it's kind of it's a strange we, thing to describe. Yeah, we did actually because um, our my first job outside of after my PhD in New York was in Tennessee, um, and Tennessee didn't recognize our marriage. So um, that whole year, I didn't have uh, health insurance because um, they didn't have to recognize our marriage. Basically, rude. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, twenty miles away, I'm married in Virginia, but over here, I'm not married. It was very stupid. Um, <laughs> well exactly why it was overturned so um yeah so we've been together 11 we've been married six no seven seven sorry oh, you better you better get it right <laughs> it's like uh, i keep i always add a year to the year i don't know why i'm like it's 2019 right no just tell her you feel like you've been together forever <laughs> yeah well then she'll come complaining Oh, no. <laughs> it feels like yesterday. We met yesterday. I promise. <laughs> I feel you. That's a, that's always a fun conversation to have where it's like, do I, mm, is it forever or was it just yesterday? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I met my lawyer once upon a time when we were filing for her to be here in America, which fun story. Um, she was saying that she, her and her spouse, they, they always like to say that being together has been like a minute underwater. Like there would always be a very deliberate pause between telling that story. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's in the same way. It's just like, it was so soon and then has been like forever at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you want, you can share your coming out experience. That's always a fun thing to talk about. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I had kind of sort of girlfriends when I was really little. Um, the first one, her name was Lisa. She lived across the street. I was eight and she was seven. <laughs> um, and we, would, <laughs> we would practice kissing, that kind of thing. And um, her sister, her older sister, caught us one time and... and uh, she was like, you guys are a bunch of dykes. And I didn't know what that meant. And oh. I went home and told my mom, I was like, girl, Lisa's older sister called us dykes. And she was, I was like, what is a dyke? She's like, oh, it's just women that kiss each other and do things like that together. I was, in my head, I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess that's what I am then. <laughs> um, but uh, and I had another kind of girlfriend in, when I was 12. Um, and yeah, we got caught kissing also her parents and that didn't go that well um uh but uh i dated boys men young men um in high school for a little while and kind of i don't know if i was hoping to be bisexual or 
I didn't really have a label for myself. Um, but uh, I kept getting these really massive crushes on other young ladies and finally broke up with my last boyfriend. I think I was 16, maybe seven. I think I was 17. Um, and I just had a you know kind of girlfriend in high school before him. Um, but yeah, when I broke up with him, I said, I told him it was because I was gay. And um, yeah, so at least to myself, I came out, I think it was, I want to say it was right after my 17th birthday. And then um, I told my sister not long after that and um, told some of my friends and there was a lot of fallout from that. I got bullied a lot um, for the next year or so. Um, and then uh, I accidentally got outed to my parents and- Oh um, my God. They, uh, I think I was, I want to say I was 18, I think when I was outed and um, they weren't thrilled. Uh, they weren't exactly mad or anything. It was just like, a kind of like, I think my dad said something like, you know, keep the door open for boys or, or something like that along those lines. Oh my because, God. Yeah. Keep the door open. I was like, very strange metaphor, dad, but, um, uh, they, they, I mean, they quickly came around, I think, especially once I started having girlfriends that they met and could see that it wasn't scary thing um to be a lesbian the me and my girlfriends were just normal people um so you know it was maybe awkward for a year of that um but yeah they're totally fine now um very gay strong gay <laughs> well that's nice that's that's good to hear though that you you've come to terms with it with yourself probably at a pretty early age yeah I'm glad that your parents were okay with it. Yeah, I mean, they weren't like thrilled, but um, they, they, you know, they didn't get mad or kick me out of the house or anything. I think it was more like, let's just pretend we didn't have that conversation for a little while. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, really, it really wasn't, um, you know, I don't even think I brought my first girlfriend home for another year or two. So they had a while to get used to the idea. That's good, though. I'm glad, I'm glad that that was it. Not an easy transition, but I don't want to say that, but that it was a, it didn't take very long. Yeah, it was almost exact, came out almost exactly when Ellen DeGeneres did, um, so. Oh my. <laughs> well, I think, I think with it being in the news and my parents liked Ellen, that, that might have helped a little bit, I don't know. I, I think that definitely helped a bit. I think it definitely did. When I, when I came out, there was like this weird, I forgot which year it was, oh God. Um, there was like this weird spiel on TV where like a bunch of, you know, the, t the normal TV dramas that p wives would like watch every day, like Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, some other show I continually forget. Like mm -hmm. they all had lesbian characters on at that time. Like mm -hmm. they had introduced, um, ooh, Freddie Calliope? Is that the name of your cat? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. I don't think that was her name. What was her name? Oh, on Grey's Anatomy? I think it was Calliope, but it was Callie or something like that. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. That was it. I couldn't remember who was who. I, To be fair, I didn't really watch that show. It piqued my interest while they were on TV. But exactly, yeah. It's like we watched the, the lesbian storyline with the with the wedding. I think that's... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much what you want to watch TV for. It's just that yeah. right there. Yeah. 
Um, but then they also had the thing on Desperate Housewives at the same time. And this was around the same time that I came out to myself in college. And then I feel like those people being on TV made it a lot easier for my father's side of the family to kind of come to terms with it. I think it, it was still a struggle. They're like Southern conservative people. But mm-hmm. like I feel like having that representation on TV had been incredibly important for them to just accept it after a while. Yeah. I mean, it took them it took them a long time. They wouldn't even meet my wife until two years after we were married. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, bummer. They got over it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just I think representation is super, 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 super important just for that reason. And you saying Ellen coming out, I mean that's that's a huge, huge, huge thing. Like, I was not old enough to remember that, unfortunately. Actually, I don't remember a lot, so that's not really saying much about me. <laughs> but that's just interesting. It's just, like, it's really interesting when you hear people's coming out stories, and you'll see those parallels between this representation that happened then and how easy their coming out was after that. Yeah, yeah, I think... It, I- yeah, I think it made it a lot easier. Um, How were you accidentally outed? Like, if you don't want to talk about this, you don't have to. But that's just like an interesting I, I, wording. I, I think my brother thought my parents already knew. Oh my god! And he just, you know, was like, "So, have you met any of, you know, someone's girlfriends? <laughs> you know, some, something along those lines." Um, I w- actually wasn't there for it, so. Oh my God! Oh, no. I, I, came home, I came home from work one day, and they were in the uh, sitting at the kitchen table, which was always the uh, "let's have a conversation." Oh no! <laughs> you know, wait for me, <laughs> uh, spot right. Um, and in my head, I was like, "Oh no! Did they find you know something in my room or <laughs> whatever?" It's like uh, the epitome of gay panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Oh my God. Well, yeah, the language they used was so vague, it took me a while to figure out, you know. Oh my god, that must have been torture sitting in that scene, just being like, what is it? Yeah, just say it. Just tell me what it is. Yeah. Oh my god. So that was fun. So let's let's talk a little about your books, because I know we have a limited time here, and I know I really want to share the fun stuff about your books. Um, yeah, so, the, the, so I was saying earlier, um, the first two... Um, and again, there's a book in between, but I, I call them the first two books are, um, they're sort of a Cinderella story. They're contemporary. They take place in New Orleans. Um, they're about art. I love art um, and the world of art um, a little bit anyway, but it's it's mostly an erotic romance. Um, the first one is called A Palette for Love. The second one is called Canvas for Love. Um, and uh, so it's one and then the sequel. Um, yeah, and it's a Cinderella story. So rich girl, poor girl meet, um, fall in love, things, forces, trying to keep them apart, including, um, you know, their pasts and their careers. And um, yeah, uh, so it's an also a New Orleans story. I love New Orleans. I used to live there. Um, and then uh, the novel that came in between them um, is called Love and Disaster, and that takes place the week of Hurricane Katrina. Um, and uh, a woman gets stuck there and um, she falls in love with a local chef. And um, so it's about their love story, but also about the hurricane. And then um, 
my fourth book is uh, Pride and Porters, and that is the Jane Austen adaptation, obviously, if you couldn't tell from the name. Um, so it takes place in contemporary Colorado, where I'm from, and um, it's about brewing, um, but yeah, it's also about a uh, lesbian version of Pride and Prejudice with Darcy and Aaron, um, uh, who's falling in love, and she has a sister who's also falling in love with someone just like in Pride and Prejudice, but um, yeah, it's a, a Colorado novel. It's got a lot of local color for Colorado, where I grew up in northern Colorado, Loveland, Estes Park um, area, and uh, also a lot about brewing. I love beer, and um, my parents brew beer as a hobby, and so... Um, oh my like, gosh, how do you brew beer as a hobby? <laughs> it's fun, actually. I, I do hard cider myself. Um, since that's easier, but um, yeah, you, you, they grow the hops, they do all sorts of stuff. It's pretty cool. I don't understand how beer is made. I'm unfortunately not a beer person. It's, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just, it just does not taste good. It's one of my regrets in life, not liking, oh. you know, one of those things you can't control. I regret not liking beer and I regret not liking quiche. Just seems like I missed out on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was an acquired taste for me, for sure. I didn't like it for a long time. Um, how do you teach yeah. yourself to like it it's so much cheaper than hard liquor I think it's like coffee you know you you have to fiddle with it a bit you have to try and there's so many different kinds um, even now I don't really like um, super hoppy beer I'm not a hops fan and I think that's the flavor that a lot of people who don't like beer don't like um, so one of the things to learn about when you're learning about beer is um the bitterness level and all beers have one. And, and so I always like beers that aren't as bitter. Um, and uh, it'll tell you either on the label or if you're in a brewery, it'll tell you how, how bitter it's going to be. Um, so I'm, I'm a big sour fan. Um, oh, but anyways, <laughs> I wanted to bring in uh, that knowledge into a book and then also bring in my love of Jane Austen. Um, and so that was that adaptation and my love of Colorado really have to check that out. I always like books that like teach you something on the sly. Like it's not about that, but you end up learning things about yeah. things. Yeah, and that's what I try. You know, I'm a I'm a teacher at heart, so there's always there's almost always a little element of that in oh my, my books. Gosh. So every book like has a lesson. <laughs> Definitely the last two for sure. The more, most recent ones, I should say. That's exciting. I'm actually gonna have to check that out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. Um. So if you had to suggest a book to someone, like recommend a book, what would you recommend to them? Um, so either Pride and Porters, which is what I just talked about, or my newest one, um, which came out uh, in September, which is Gnarled Hollow, and that is um, the ghost story. And in that one, you would learn about um, uh, a little bit about architecture, but also a little bit about art history. Um, but again, as, as I was saying, uh, yeah, it's, it's a ghost story. It's paranormal paranormal primarily it's a mystery they have to solve partly because they solve it through art um, and architecture and what? literature and um yeah and then there's as i said a, a lesbian romance in it as well okay architecture what do you not know because <laughs> i'm like art architecture beer making like what connects these dots <laughs> yeah well just you just get into something and then learn all, all you can about it. I guess that's how I've always done anyway. Oh my goodness. I wish I was that way. I'm just full of like useless knowledge that can't be used for anything. 
maybe for um, a podcast. It's oh, great. MG, <laughs> look at that. There's your motivational speech of the day right there. <laughs> I don't know. What would you say? Because my wife also writes books and she, she hates people drawing parallels from her books to, to who she is. And do, uh-huh. you, do you ever have that problem? Um, I mean, I guess it's partly true, at least a little bit, because um, most of my characters are academics, <laughs> um, or if they're not academics, they're sort of based on academia vaguely, like in Pride of Porters, which is based on a novel I teach a lot. <laughs> um, so um, in that way, it's true uh, that I draw from my life and people I know for my characters. Um, but I don't think anyone would ever compare me to them, per se, maybe just in terms of, of coincidental you know, I lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, so that's why I wrote a Katrina novel. Um, I'm from Colorado, which is why I wrote a novel about Colorado. But um, I don't really see myself in my characters beyond, yeah, again, that. All right, then. I, I want to try something new here. If you had one question that you could ask another queer lady, anything, it could be literally anything. It doesn't even have to be relevant. What question would it be? Um, boy. And this may or may not be a question that I will ask my next guest. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I usually ask, um, it's, it's kind of funny you bring it up because we just met some new um, lesbian professors that started this semester. So, oh, um, boy. Uh, it's been kind of, uh, we've been the only lesbians around for a while. So it was very exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> them. I was like, hey, hi. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's the students, of course, but it's, it's different than actually having someone you can hang out with, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I guess when we first got together, I was just, I did similar to, to what you did. We asked how they met, um, asked how long they've been together. Um, I'm usually curious in the, in, yeah, what kind of TV shows they watch, what kind of um, movies they watch. And then even from there, I'll sometimes ask them, you know, if they watch lesbian-focused shows or um if they were going to, you know, if they mentioned something that I haven't seen, you know, what, what they like about it. Um, not exactly office, you know, similar to cocktail party conversation, but uh, I guess, yeah, when I'm meeting someone queer, it's often a little bit more focused on, you know, what's queer about, what's, what's your favorite queer things, right? Have what's you your seen favorite queer things? <laughs> yeah. Um, just in case there's something I haven't seen or, um, or something that we both watch that we can talk about, I guess. Nice. Then that will be what I ask my next guest. What is your favorite queer thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, then. Well, thank you so much for coming out. I know we don't have a lot of time because uh, you have a you have a tight schedule, and I'm so thankful that you could be able to come on again after last time's debacle. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or would you like to plug in where people can find you? Um, you can find me at Charlotte Green Author. Dot com. Um, you can follow me on at C Green. Oh my said, my goodness, I just forgot. Let me look it up. <laughs> it's, it's the same on both of them, but I, I should check because uh, otherwise I'll say it wrong. Take your time. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at C Green underscore writer. Um, so yeah, C Green underscore writer for Twitter and Instagram. CharlotteGreenAuthor.com is my website, which has um, links to all of my books and um, 
links to Bold Strokes books where you can find um, all the other authors that I mentioned and um, also links to Amazon where you can find all of my books. I have an author's page there too. Uh, again, Sorla Green and my most recent novel, um, Gnarled Hollow, is up and available for sale there on Amazon and at Bold Strokes Books. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. And one last thing before you go, thank you so much everyone for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a comment down below. Uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please, we would very much appreciate if you would give us a review and leave us those glorious five stars. Uh, it will help somehow in this unfathomable algorithm that Apple likes to use. It will help other people find our podcast and it'll help spread our stories. Um, if you have a story that you would like to share, a project or an experience, please hit us up on the Twitter. Our DMs are always open. Hope to see everyone again soon.